Why, hello, everyone. Hello. Hi. Hi. So lovely to see you. Well, what, I mean, what brings you all here? What are the, the odds that we would all be here in the room where we record podcasts sitting in front of mics with dice out in front of us? It is a Christmas miracle. Well, That's true. Man, I really now hope that this is somehow releasing <laughs> <laughs> during, the, I don't wait, think it works wait, out. Wait, let me check my schedule. I'm going to assume that this is our Christmas episode. Right. Yeah. You know, and start playing Jingle Bells <laughs> just, in the background. Just, just a cover basis, so we yeah. don't have to edit it out later. It actually just comes it. out in October or something. Right. No, we have to make all of our Christmas references in this episode and then just hope that it releases right. on time. <laughs> or be like, guys, I'm sorry, we're going on a six-week hiatus yeah. uh, just so that this particular episode can drop with the appropriate holiday spirit. Well, and I, I think uh, standard operating procedure is once we hit around Halloween... Christmas stuff comes out. Uh, yeah. Team, this releases on Halloween. Merry <laughs> 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 Christmas. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is, Happy this is New Year. 91? Yes, yeah. I believe that is true. <laughs> this is on the first <laughs> uh, Well, happy the Nightmare Before Christmas, everyone. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, by Wait the way, uh, everyone's name is Jack Skellington now. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> and but, this, this will be a purely self-laughing episode, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just 60 minutes of self-laughing. The most horrifying thing that we've encountered yet on the podcast. Wait, hold on. Wait. Podcast, podcast. That reminds me of something. What was it? What was it? Oh, yes. This is Reckless Attack. We're a fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons actual play podcast. I am, as always, your GM, Nathan, and I am joined by the lovely players here around the table. Hello again, lovely players. Hi. Hello. Starting with across the table from me, who I'm pointing at. Hi, everyone. I'm Jonathan, and I play the spookiest druid, (laughs) Checkers, and his trusty frog pals, Mango and Junior. And today, Checkers has learned that he has the goodest boy, Mango, because he was knocked unconscious from a bucket, and the next thing he knew, Mango was just desperately trying to wake him up, just licking his face over and over again. That's not what happened. No, it's not. Mango just shook you. You shook you yeah. violently. <laughs> violently. Like, yeah, yeah. like you were on, God, I don't even know, like you were on a blender or something, yeah. like a power tool. <laughs> like, <laughs> like those like weird 1940s weight loss machines. See, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was what I was going to say, but I was like, is that a reference that other people understand of like where you just strap the belt to your yeah. waist and just shake the fat off of you? I got you, Dave. Okay. But, but in the play adaptation of this particular encounter, yeah. Mango could have licked him awake. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Live we'll action see. reenactment. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, have to try yeah. it both ways, I guess. And to my left. Hi, everyone. I'm David, and I play Kaskrin Brightmane, Dwarven Warlock, who is currently being harassed by a number <laughs> of invisible creatures who are now made visible. But Kaskrin is uh, really spreading that holiday cheer. He's got his uh, red Santa hat with a little palm on right now. He has the uh, big white beard. Yeah, there so he So that's appropriate. Yeah, got uh, presents for all the good boys and girls. Is the presence a, a hammer blow to the face uh, of semi-visible automatons? For the bad boys and girls, yes. Yeah, I got it. You're more of a Krampus character <laughs> in this particular situation. Got the, got it. And to my left. Hi, everyone. My name is Steve, and I am playing Sylvesterlin, the dragonborn monk who... Uh, I guess he's got a couple of red lines headed his way. 
based on what he can he can see. No joke. I I thought you were making a very obscure Christmas reference. Same. Yeah. Absolutely where, same. Of like you know thinking of like you know like a Santa red kind of thing, and my brain's like. All right, I'm going with it. I don't know how it ties in to the jolly old elf, I guess, but like, all right, we'll see. But yes, you do have some just incorporeal lines of, I guess, kind of like not dye per se, but like colored water, I suppose. I thought you just had a bunch of like a licorice stick. Yeah, like Twizzlers. (laughs) Oh, I thought he was going into like Santa's list of like red lines, like naughty (laughs) Occasionally, I am serious about this game. (laughs) You know, maybe not everything's a joke, people. Maybe it's one of those, Steve, where instead of turning on us, you need to turn (laughs) inward and be like, "Am I the boy who cried pun a few too many times?" (laughs) Hmm. Hmm. Fine. I th- I think we're just gonna go to the person across the table for me. <laughs> Hi everyone. I'm Sophie and I play Valeska Carter, the human asterisk cleric of the Arcana domain. And Val's still just really worried about the books. Yeah. <laughs> like she knows Celestia Dreamweaver would not let anything befall her collection, but Val still has a little worry in her heart. Things could have changed in the time she wasn't around would so. you say that things are a little spooky around i would the books say i the holiday tie-in i would say that we should really wrap this up and get to the libra morte for the vibes i know yeah, i know i know i was believing yeah, yeah, i was thinking yeah. about it. Gosh, shit, it's not gonna i don't think it's we're, not. Gonna, we'll see. we're gonna dual release one week just so we can do libra morte on if, halloween yeah and we'll skip the next week so we don't have to do any extra work yeah but yeah I mean, I'm not against it. We'll talk about it. You'll be able to tell at home if we've made this decision (laughs) and dual released episodes. Uh, Well, you guys are in a bit of a precarious situation. My brain was going to make one, at least one holiday pun, but I literally in the moment could not decide if I wanted to make it a Christmas pun or a Halloween pun. And so I said nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I should have gone Thanksgiving, I guess. You're, You're thankful for how much damage you're about to take. You guys have finally entered into the restricted section of the Agmar Library. You are on a mission to find five different books, at least two books, but hopefully five books, to gain the favor of wandering mysterious sorceress Lorana Moonglove, who has promised to help you fix the bones, uh, the undead guards of the city. You met Titanius Naxhammer, the the distressed, I think, was maybe the word that we settled on last time. I would even say distraught. Yeah, uh, yes, all of your D-I-S-T words, right. distant for a little while, etc. Who who was able to come around and eventually explain how things work, i.e., you have to know the name of the book that you're going after, and then you are able to kind of access it and go into whatever room it is stored in. You found yourself looking for the Pentarchy Proclamations, Volume 19, important, important distinction, where you came upon many stacks of books that were arranged strangely, but kind of most pressingly and importantly, a large rotating floating orb of automatons <laughs> that were all kind of stuck together all haphazardly and had somehow turned into what appears to be some sort of hive mind collective maybe that self-identifies as the grand collective of servitude aka their grand serviciousness and just as you know you guys were kind of getting your your legs back underneath you you heard a roar and an incorporeal creature from the other side of this 
otherwise kind of regular library room and looked down at you all and opened its mouth. And now I'd like you all to roll a constitution saving throw, please. Mm. I'll just get out all my dice really quick. Take your time. I'm going to need like a lot of dice, so like, don't worry about it. Also, Kaskrin, you have advantage. Yeah, nice. Because as this creature kind of barrels down on you, you see that out of its mouth comes a gout of greenish smoke, like a noxious fume just being sent down into the bookshelves in kind of this big sweeping cone that unfortunately... It's all of you. <laughs> Kaskwin yells up at it and points his finger. That looks like poison as it just like comes down <laughs> a, a wave. I have advantage on this. I'll have you know. <laughs> what did everyone roll? Val with a 17. Ooh, Ooh. look at you. Kaskwin with a 20. No one's surprised. <laughs> <laughs> well, fine. Uh, yeah, Good I'm sorry. Good for you, Kaskwin. Yeah, yeah. That's, I that's feel not fair. personally very proud. Thank you very much. You, you should. That's Again, that was on us. We should have supported you more in that moment, and I apologize. We were all just so... Well, I think we, we used up a lot of enthusiasm for Val, and then at least me personally, I started gathering all of my dice to roll <laughs> damage and got distracted by all the shiny click clacks. Checkers with a 16, Mango with a 9. Ooh, Okay. Selv Asterlin, the dragonborn monk, with a nine. (laughs) This creature flies over. It was a DC 16 save. So, Uh, some good. So, no, so you saved. So, 16 saves. So, you guys will all take half damage. 13 points of poison damage. Okay. Is the max. So, half if if you saved. So, six points. Yes. I believe that is. I think so. Yes. So this huge, large, just like serpentine creature just looks down at you all and you can see it does some sort of, I described it as animalistic and that is very much true, but it is like there is an animal intelligence there Mm -hmm. where it it looks down at you all or over, I guess, Uh (laughs) at the, at a couple of frogs who are up a little bit higher and makes a decision to kind of enter into this. Okay. As it releases this gout of poisonous fume and you guys are like coughing up or covering up your mouths and trying your best to avoid it and to not take any damage, as the cloud kind of dissipates and you can see the outlines of all of the invisible people who are kind of coming at you, you can see just the end of the tail of this creature go through another wall. So it has just kind of done a like a a, a flyby mm-hmm. kind of breath on you guys, and it is gone. Does it seem like it was defending its territory, or like mm. why was it here? Anyone can roll me an insight or nature. Valeska will roll an insight. Same. I have very hot dice. It's good. You, you, will want, you, will, you will want to, those to continue. <laughs> I rolled a 22. Ooh. Valeska with a 25. Dang. <laughs> Hell yeah. So, Val and Kaskrin, you two are kind of right in the main kind of line of fire, mm-hmm. where it is flying essentially over your heads. And, yeah, you get the impression that 
you were identified as intruders here. Okay. As people who didn't belong. But so, it also didn't seem to didn't seem to regard the people you were fighting against. So just an additional combatant, but not working for the uh, Grand Collective. It seems that way. Okay. Um, but also, again, it is now back into a wall. You don't know where it is, but that was your impression from what you what you saw. All right. All of that was one round of combat. <laughs> <laughs> Great. As a quick reminder, this large orb is kind of up, like, I think 30 feet up in the air, just kind of at the tops of these large bookcases. Kaskarin is kind of at one end of these bookshelves. Val and Selv are on the other end. Checkers and a large mango yes. are straddling multiple bookcases uh, kind of high in the sky up above you guys, I think a row over. And you guys know that there are five semi-visible servants, mm-hmm. something that are bearing down on Kaskarin right now. And there are five more, presumably, coming over towards Selv and Val. Kaskarin is staring up at the grand serviciousness. Just again, yeah. swirling like a disco ball. <laughs> <laughs> Wanting to run towards it, but is being harassed by these other five now visible automatons. He is going to take his like library stamp warhammer and just like <laughs> start swinging and bashing away at oh, yeah. the, the five of them in front of them. But he is going to empower it with magic and he casts Sword Burst. Ooh, okay, cool. So as he's swinging, I would like all five of them to make me a dexterity saving throw, DC 15. Three fail. Okay. The ones that failed take 11 points of damage. As a reminder, all of these are minions, uh, according to the Flea Mortals MCDM rules. Thank you, uh, MCDM. So three of them immediately die. The ones who were able to save against your ability were able to, like, Indiana Jones-style... Oh my god, what's the what's the third one? Uh, Last Crusade? Last Crusade, when they, they're going in and there's like the big like scythe blade oh, that, yeah. that slices yeah. through. Yep. A couple of them are able to duck out of the way uh, of your thing, but three are immediately just sliced in half and seem to just like crumple onto the floor. Yeah, they're just bashed by this warhammer, his giant wild swing. Yeah, and you can see that they are not made visible. So now they are just these like outlines of spores and mushrooms just in a puddle of, like, parts and bits. So, as a reaction, having dealt damage with a spell, I'm going to grant Selv a Servant of the Citadel. So you get an extra six temporary HP. Ooh, that is fantastic. As this golden mannequin flashes in front of you for a second, carrying a giant kite shield, and then vanishes until he is needed. And then I'm going to run 25 feet forward towards the giant rotating disco ball. Okay, you'll take an attack of opportunity. Okay. Does a 20 hit? Absolutely, yep. Okay. You take eight points of fire damage, or Ugh. excuse me, a force damage. Okay, Ugh. all right. And that's my turn. Sick. Now it is the turn of all of the automatons that you just smacked around. And I think they're just going to follow you. Right. <laughs> wow, terrible. So you are you are you know running towards again this orb that is like thirty feet up in mm-hmm. the air and is still just like shouting down like none shall serve all shall serve. 
you can feel as you're kind of like gearing up, getting ready, you can feel the two automatons just kind of re-enter your blind sense range. And they're going to make an attack upon you. 18 to hit. Ah, uh, the hits. Wow. Eight, eight more points of force damage. Dang, all right. Once again, you just hear them as they kind of like are chasing you down and kind of getting back into the battle. Hail, hail, hail. And his grand serviciousness is yeah. empowered by the glory given by his minions. Now, their grand serviciousness is going to take a turn. And I think they can see Kaskrin. Mm-hmm. They can definitely see two frogs. Yes. <laughs> I would like David and I would like Jonathan mm-hmm. to each roll me a d6, please. And I'm going to roll a d6 as well. Cool. I, David, the human, rolled a five. I, Jonathan, the human, rolled a two. Great. We'll start first with Jonathan. Yes. Uh, the the kind of recently revived, recently shaken. Is it a bucket again? <laughs> no. Uh, you you lucked out. We've learned I'm immune to buckets. Uh, it is useless targeting me. <laughs> Highly vulnerable. I won't to buckets, say immune actually. to buckets. 100% immune. Well, all right. Uh, we'll test that out yeah. maybe next turn. <laughs> so you you see this orb spins around and that same kind of red spotlight yeah. that enveloped Kaskrin earlier now settles on you as one of the members of the kind of hive, basically, that you see is holding a spell book extends its kind of like clampy hand uh-huh. and shoots a bolt at you. And I would like you to please make me a constitution saving throw, please. Checkers with a 19. Ooh, that is a success. You take six points of necrotic damage. You can feel that same burning sensation that Kaskarin was feeling earlier. Uh, I will succeed on the concentration saving throw, so fairy fire is still up. Excellent. And you you rolled a one? A five. A five. I would like you to also make me a constitution Uh, saving throw, and this is a important one. I'm going to (laughs) spend some inspiration on this. Seems good. Because that seems necessary. Yeah, let let me describe it a little bit just so that you can feel even better about your choice. The orb spins around, spins around. You see the big kind of like spotlight go onto checkers, and at a similar time, a bottle of something is hucked, much in the same way the bucket was hucked over at Checkers earlier, and it splashes on you. Okay. But as it starts to kind of settle on you, it seems like you are starting to just kind of freeze up a little bit, and like this kind of sticky solution is like starting to harden and paralyze you and make it so you can't move. Okay, let's hopefully not let that happen. That is a 20. That is a success. Nice. Also very good. (laughs) (laughs) And what did I roll? I rolled a four? Yeah. Yes. Mango, dexterity saving throw. That'll be a 10 for Mango. Uh, That is a failure. Mango takes 13 points of fire damage. Is again, another one as the beam kind of tightens and then like a laser just zaps into his large, froggy, storm cloudy form. Yes. uh, And just zaps him. I imagine too, like this thing is spinning so fast. Like it's just lasers and beams. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. 
And then it uh, uses the rest of its action to go even further up. Uh. And now it's on the ceiling. It's like 50 feet up. It can't go any higher, but now it is fully like at the top of this room. Val, it is your go. You now can definitely from here see their grand serviciousness rotating and spinning. And you can hear, you can smell sizzling frog, which is maybe (laughs) uh, a little distressing. But you also know that there are more of these invisible creatures or whatever automatons kind of bearing down on you. Val will move perpendicular to the bookcases so she Mm -hmm. can see down the aisle where Cass is under the grand serviciousness and will use her bonus action to cast Healing Word on Cass, which will be eight points of healing. Awesome. Cool. Thank you so much. And then cast Sacred Flame at the disco ball. (laughs) Please make a dexterity saving throw, DC 16. So I forgot to do this last time. Um, Last time you Sacred Flamed my beautiful disco. As you extend your, your hand and kind of channel your divine power at your foe, the chance of hail, hail, hail gets even louder and kind of more intense. And the disco ball just like lights up and kind of glows a little bit stronger. And it gets a small bonus to its saving throw because its servitors continue to power it. No. That is a 20. Ooh. Then nothing happened. But you can see whatever kind of empowered that little bit of, of extra juice on its saving throw has been spent. Okay. Val spins around, puts her back to the bookcase so that she has full cover. (laughs) (laughs) Seems good. Anything else? Val interacts with the last book on the bookshelf to see if it's... If it just happens to be... (laughs) Volume 19. (laughs) Uh, Alas. Ah, damn it. This is Pentarchy Proclamations, Volume 2, Volume 8. And so that's it's because you don't understand the way that anything is shelved here. Unfortunately, so close, yet so far away. Dang it. That is Val's turn. Now it is the second group of kind of semi-visible automatons, and they are coming to Selv. And just as a reminder from last week, Selv is in currently in his patient defense. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so any of the ones that have the red kind of uh, food coloring mark on them that I can see will be at disadvantage to hit me. The other ones will be just a straight roll because the advantage and disadvantage will cancel out. I am going to just have have it be just a straight roll, but I'm going to not have their to hit be quite as high. Because I only, the way minions work, it's only one die roll. So it's like, gotcha. Weird. Uh, (laughs) But I think math wise, this makes sense. Okay. Uh, they rolled a three. It doesn't hey. matter. Uh, but you can you can now see these, again, the like two red stripes just advancing on you, and they just kind of fan on either side of you. And so you don't know how many are around you other than you can, if, if Kaskrin yelled out a word of warning about it, but you now know that you are at least a little bit surrounded. Okay. Hail, hail, hail. And once again, the disco ball kind of lights up and spins, empowered by the servitude of its servants. That is the end of their turn. Checkers! It's Hello. Turn. I am starting a petition to rename the Grand Serviciousness mm-hmm. the Grand Discosity. Because <laughs> it's a disco ball. Well, you'll have to file the paperwork, yeah. uh, but we'll take it under advisement. All right, perfect. So, Checkers, seeing that Kaskrin is directly underneath the Grand Serviciousness <laughs> and surrounded by two mushroom-colored minions. Yes. Redirects Mango 
Go, Caspian! Mango is going to kind of squeeze himself off from the tops of the bookshelves mm-hmm. and just like plop down next to these two servitors and just lash out with his tongue. Awesome. And he has been poisoned. He has been burnt by lightning. He is not looking good, but he is doing his best job. May we all be as brave and stalwart as Mango and trying our best even after being crispied and poisoned. <laughs> so he has advantage due to the fairy fire. 21 to hit. Hits. And because he is currently in his large form with this little rain cloud dripping water over his head, <laughs> he gets an extra D6 of damage awesome. when he hits. So that's going to be nine points of bludgeoning damage. Uh, you So describe as he smushes another one yeah. of the five uh, that is, again, still kind of menacing Kaskrin and covered with your, your spores and shrooms. So as Mango drops down from these bookshelves, he rolls out his tongue and just does like this tongue whip that lands on top of one of these servitors, crushing it beneath its bulk. <laughs> Blah. Yeah. And Perfect. Then he just like brings his tongue back in with all these little sticky metal bits and looks <laughs> at the next one. Menacingly. Yes. Licks his frog lips. Yes. Mm. And Checkers from the top of the bookshelf is going to pull out a rock held by Junior and launch it directly at the disco orb. Not Junior himself yeah, after his ju- wingsuit <laughs> shenanigans last episode nope, or two episodes we're ago? sending a rock this time. Got it. 21 to hit. Hits. Nine points of damage. Ouch. <laughs> cool. Okay. The frog stack is in perfect sense. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. exactly. Just bouncing all over the place, doing damage. Uh, and Nine points again? Nine points. And I'm going to use another new ability. What happens is when I hit with a attack... I'm going to invoke the blessing of the hateful turtle. <laughs> mm-hmm. And out of nowhere, these large leathery turtle jaws just appear behind the Grand Servitionist. From like the ceiling, yeah. where like right where it's kind of hovering right underneath. Right. And just like chomp down, trying to grab this thing as water pours out the sides of its mouth like waterfalls. And it's going to find itself taking an additional 2d6 points of damage. Ooh. And it has to make a strength saving throw or be restrained. Ooh. Heck yeah, oh. hateful turtle. No, yeah. no, no. So it'll take seven more points of magical piercing damage. Ow. And then strength throw to resist the jaws of the turtle. Uh, it is still glowing, so it still has a bonus sure. uh, to its saves. A pretty nice bonus, but it evens out because it's not very strong. <laughs> That's a three on the die, okay. so that is a failure. Nice. Thank you, cool. Starbuck. <laughs> Damn it. So it is restrained by these leathery turtle jaws. What? No, no. Unhand us. Be gone. No, no. And that is it. It just keeps repeating no over and over again. And you also see that the light dims, so it no longer has its bonus. It uh, has to spend it. And that is the end of my turn. This day just got so weird. <laughs> Fair. So, uh... Assuming that all assumptions are assumable uh, and self is surrounded. I'm falling. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, he's going to kind of come out of the patient defense and punch forward and then at the same time kick backward and try to hit another one. And these would be at disadvantage. So the first one is going to be a 13 to hit. Just misses. Ah. Okay. The kick backwards. 12 to hit. Oh, dang. And then I am going to actually spend another point of key to uh, use Flurry of Blows. Sick. Nice, nice. And do two more attacks. Yes, awesome. Self then, like, spins around 
and switches, and so the punch goes to the one that was formerly behind him <laughs> and is now in front of him. You're still attacking the same two invisible ones. The same two invisible ones, awesome. yes. Eight to hit. No. 16 to 16 hit? 16 hit. Okay. Oh. <laughs> uh, that will be eight points of bludgeoning damage. Okay, uh, describe you kicking an invisible automaton and what the sensation and noise and experience of that is. Also, I need to imagine that Selv is dancing uh, in tune with the disco ball that's rotating around. <laughs> Absolutely. Like intentionally around. or unintentionally. Uh, 100%. I'm not sure. It's just working out that yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as the disco ball kind of kind of flares with light, Selv kicks out backwards and hits this on top of time with a <laughs> And after three attacks of, of nothing happening and just kind of missing, there is a crunch of metal and the thud of something hitting the ground. And and you know, it's like there's that sec that moment where your foot is like stuck in it for just a second before you're able to just kind of like pull it loose very dramatically and you just hear yeah crumpling in the in the side. And that will that will end my turn. And now a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by A Foul Light Shines, a new free serial novel based on a D&D campaign. The Empire of Fire and Water has known 20 golden years of peace since the end of Agenion's War, a peace which is now in peril. When a ragtag group of friends intervene in a grotesque monster attack, they're too late to save a wounded man who leaves them with an encrypted journal and the words... Trust no one, Tyre. Can the gang find Tyre, escape the claws of more strange monsters, and uncover the lurking threat to the Empire before it's too late? This story features themes of found family and strength and diversity, and is available for free on Campfire and Royal Road. A foul light shines. Come for the fantasy. Stay for the cheese-obsessed goblin gunslinger. Hey, it's me, Sophie. Do you want more Reckless Attack? Then join our Discord and chat with us in our community. The link for the Discord is in the show notes, or head on over to our website, recklessattack.com. We also have a Patreon. You can listen to our new show, Reckless Snack, and other content if you become a patron. We really appreciate your support, and thank you for listening to the episode. Top of the order, as a reminder, the orb of servitude, the disco ball of destruction is being eaten by a turtle. Yes. Up at the top of the room. Can't forget the waterfalls coming out yes. of the turtle's mouth. Yes, <laughs> that's true. Uh, and there's just, and unfortunately, right underneath the orb is Kaskrin, who's just being absolutely drenched in water. Mm-hmm. Uh but is at least seemingly only has one more of the servants kind of yes. uh, on him, which is big, 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 big. There is a frog, a large frog next to him who is also, again, it's a very wet time here in the library. <laughs> right. uh, he has a mango next to you. Checkers, you are still up in the on the, bookshelves. on the bookshelves. Val, you are kind of pulled even with all of this and kind of have a clear line of sight with pretty much everyone and everything. And Selv, you are kind of back where you guys started still surrounded by, again, presumably four 
automatons. Mm-hmm. And the incorporeal lizard lion has gone into another room or is doesn't isn't here okay so again went kind of emerged from one wall and then just flew kind of straight over you guys straight through the wall basically you guys came in in on Mm -hmm. Uh, but also it's kind of one of those things of like but how are things oriented does that actually matter Mm -hmm. who knows where it is but it does not make an appearance yet i have an important question yes does the small automaton near me count as an object between one and ten pounds for the purposes of catapult? <laughs> uh, no. Ah, dang. But I will rule that because Checkers helped you by fairy firing, Mango has some hunks yeah. that are like <laughs> oh, yeah. in its mouth. And I will allow that you can make out enough of like a clump that Mango smushed that you can use for a catapult spell if you'd like. Okay, cool. So I'm imagining Mango like didn't want to pull all of the metal bits back into his mouth so that he's just like kind of sad and got his little yeah. tongue sticking out. Or maybe he did, bits. but couldn't get all of it. And mm. that's why he's sad. Who mm. knows? So Castron's going to grab as much as he can to try to help pour Mango out. <laughs> and he's got like a clump of metal in his hand. As a bonus action, he is going to extend the head of his hammer until it looks like a giant paddle. <laughs> and then as a standard action, I'm going to cast Catapult at level two. And I'm just going to like tennis serve, huck this thing straight up 50 feet into the air as hard as I can. And the Grand Servitionist has to make me a dexterity saving throw at disadvantage because it's restrained. Rolled a two on one die. Rolled a 13 on the other. Ooh, okay. So that is a failure. That is going to be 20 points of bludgeoning damage. Ow. Wow. As the metal chunks just hit the side of this spinning automaton and disperse in a cloud of sparks. And you can see that takes a hunk off of the orb. It is now like there is an, like an apple where someone has taken a bite out of it. There's just this like section that has been knocked loose by this flying bit of automaton. Nice. As a reaction, I'm going to give Mango some temporary HP. That's lovely. And that's my turn. Interlopers shall not be tolerated. Our new world order shall bring order to service. You can see it's like starting to like spark out just a little bit. Like it's not quite making sense in its threats anymore. But it, luckily it does make enough sense for Kaskarin. Right. For Checkers. Mm-hmm. And oh. I guess it needs to be Mango again. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's restrained, so it can't move and get a better vantage point on anyone else. So the three of you uh, who were hit last time, uh, roll, and I will roll the one for Mango. David with the one. Jonathan with the five. I would like Mango to make me a dexterity saving throw. As, again, this like kind of laser pointer beam fires out and tries to do some damage to him. Mango with a ten on the dex save. That is a failure. Uh... 17 points of fire Ooh, damage. Ouch. <laughs> oh, no. So, uh, Nathan, yeah. what does it look like when you... <laughs> <laughs> so I've at... waited so long <laughs> yeah. for this day. So as this laser just fires out from this disco ball that is attempting to spin, but is currently grasped by the jaws of this turtle, you just see this laser fire towards Mango, and a bright golden mannequin appears in front to block the hit and the laser just keeps going and pierces right through 
and then pierces right through poor little Mango. No, stop it. <laughs> you you chose this. You brought him as the combatant. I don't. I'm not gonna feel bad about it. You killed him first. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that one, Nathan. I, as far as I can tell, he was fine. And we all blacked that out, so yeah, I don't remember yeah. either. We trauma blacked that yeah. out. None of us chose to remember that. But what you see is this large form of a frog that is currently green just starts slowly turning more and more brown as Mango, his form, dissolves into a pile of mud. And just spreads <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, just and spreads just... out on, on the floor of this library. And Checker's like, no, you killed my frog. For the first time. For the first time. <laughs> ever. This is his first canonical death. <laughs> no one's ever done that before, especially not me. So shall all fall. Now, David, what did you roll? I rolled a one. You see from above you this restrained orb of, of fury and servitude just tries to spin. And you can see that one of the one of the arms of this kind of like hive basically is holding a bucket again. And, <laughs> but this time is collecting water in it. Some of the water that's like spilling down from this turtle head. It is right over top of you. And just as it starts to fill up, you can see another one reach an arm over and like squeeze something, some sort of solution into it. Ugh. And then upturn it yeah. on top of you. Okay, okay. I would like you to make a dexterity saving throw. Ah, uh, jeez. 17. I rolled an 18 on the die. <laughs> so what happens is you are holding this stone construct of a hammer, right? And that is, or I guess now kind of a, a cricket bat. Yeah, yeah, a cricket bat. <laughs> and you get out of the way, but enough kind of drips onto it that it starts dissolving Ugh. the thing and you're able to kind of again both get out of the way enough and kind of charge it with enough of your own kind of natural arcane juice to keep it in form but if that had hit you it would have just dissolved the whole thing dissolved the casquin yes indeed <laughs> uh and checkers what did you roll again jonathan rolled a five for checkers Ooh, because you're only a constitution saving throw as once again another bottle of chemicals comes just like flinging at you which is the same thing that casquin had to fight off to paralyze him. I rolled a natural 20. Ooh, nice. okay. You you're able to dodge out of the way just enough, but you get like just a little bit on your hand and you're kind of like feeling it and you realize like, wait a second, and you like smell it. It smells like rubber cement. Oh no. And that is it. But you're fine. You are unharmed by this. And that is the end of its turn. So at the end of the Grand Servicious oh, turn... Oh, good. Yeah, thank you, Jonathan. What what fresh hell do you have for me now? <laughs> the turtle jaws squeeze a little bit harder, and you will find yourself taking 2d6 additional points of piercing damage. I'll kill another one of your frogs. No. <laughs> <laughs> Six points of damage, and you can make another strength saving throw to release yourself from the jaws. It's a five on the die, so that's okay. a failure. All right. Uh, so it is, as it is like wiggling, trying to get out, and these jaws tighten even tighter, you see even more of this construct, and you can actually see all the parts of it. This little automatons just kind of like falling to the ground and just kind of building a pile, falling all around Cascarin, yeah. uh, <laughs> and just kind of slowly coming apart. But it is still just active enough. Val, seeing how. Checkers has been able to restrain the disco ball of destruction, will 
use that as an opportunity to cast Guiding Bolt at first level towards the Disco Ball of Destruction. So this will be a flat roll because it is blurred, but it is also restrained. So just a straight D20. 16. That is a hit. Ooh, nice, nice. 13 points of radiant... Holy energy. <laughs> I didn't know we had that as a sound drop. Yeah. Very exciting. Oh, absolutely. All right. Yeah. Definitely. Well, all right, I guess then. David just, David just had that saved from when I was real weird that one. <laughs> well, everyone, everyone, uh, be ready. Be ready. All right, everyone, eyes on me, eyes on me. Sophie, what does it look like when you send this? Radiant energy. Holy energy. At his grand serviciousness and kill it. <laughs> Val kind of swivels around the bookcase. I think for the first time sees a giant turtle draw around <laughs> these group of automatons, sphere of destruction, disco ball of destruction, and sees this is a great opportunity for Guiding Bolt. She fuels her Guiding Bolt this light blue beam of energy that is fueled by her rage that these servants, these keepers and protectors of knowledge would dare <laughs> to possibly destroy the thing that they were meant to protect. Yeah, do you, do you, Sophie, or does Val think she knows what these are? She thinks these are kind of the groupings of unseen servants and I guess I don't know what like the automatons necessarily were. You would be able to have made it out from the fairy fire. The automa the like kind of big orb was just made up of multiple of them, basically. Okay. Yeah. So she sends this energy towards the main group, the holy serviciousness, and uh it shoots right towards the center and the ball glows bright with this blue energy and then it slowly disintegrates all of the automatons so just one by one tiny automatons just rain down from the ceiling and the turtle maw slams shut as the disco ball is not able to like the structural integrity is gone yeah basically. the structural integrity is gone so the maw just clamps shut on a few remaining automatons. A single automaton head falls, and you can see, again, the head of this is a work of art in and of itself. It is super detailed. It is wearing, like, a helmet and sort of has a little facsimile of a face, and its eyes kind of light up as it is speaking. As just destruction kind of rains down all around you, uh, and you try not to step in the pile of mud that was once Mango... Mm -hmm. Sad. The head just kind of rolls to a stop, looking straight up at you. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Autobiographies on captains that sailed off the shoulder of Orion. I watched beautiful arcane gemstone lanterns glitter in the dark near the restricted section archways. All those moments will be lost in time. Like books... In the rain. Time to die.
Well, I don't feel so good about yeah. it. Right? Val, <laughs> Val is for sure pocketing the most intact automatons she can <laughs> for when she prepares Speak with Dead. So there is. So there are still five more automatons around oh, right. around Self, but Self. So well, you, well, excuse me, four. Yes, correct. But you can see the two that you kind of splashed that like kind of tinted water on. You can see them. They take a step back. And probably only so that Selv can hear, you hear a chorus of four automaton voices say, How may we be of service? Um, please bring me the Pentarchy Proclamations, Volume 19. Understood. You see multiple of them just go off in different directions. So, briefly... How we are going to handle this. Combat is over. (laughs) So how this is going to work as you guys are finding your your various books as you go through the thing when it requires you to spend amount of time searching for things. I'm going to ask everyone to give me a group investigation role and how I'm going to do it. Not just kind of the usual like uh, if a majority of you pass. Great. It works. And if you don't, you fail. This is a cumulative score, and I have ranges written down. You will pretty much always be able to find it, but it is a question of how long it takes to find it. Now, because you are in a library, Val, you you will get advantage on this, even though you don't understand really how their organization system works. But more importantly, everyone gets advantage because there are still some unseen servants who are helping you guys search. What I'm going to ask for is investigation roles. Um, I don't think that there's anything else that would be applicable, but I will entertain other ones. Give me a roll. Kaskrin with a 10. Checkers with an 11. I have a 1, and fortunately a 19, which gives me a 23. Okay, all right, all right. Okay. What'd you get, Val? Uh, A 1. Mm-hmm. And then a six. <laughs> Total? <laughs> Total of eight. Okay, okay. So, Val, I don't know how you feel about it, but the more you're getting into it, the more that you see the way that they've organized things in here is nonsense. Is mm-hmm. is every instinct in your library and brain is screaming at this is this is all wrong. This is not any system. This isn't even the cool system that you had hoped that you'd be able to look at kind of going through here, the cool, like, experimental, magical one. It's nothing. Val is incensed. Yeah. <laughs> and is just too focused staring at one shelf that it takes her a while to puzzle out, but is just organized with black and white books in the Rixian form of Morse code that says... That's hilarious. <laughs> I I love that. Spell that sports. You're yeah. in the sports yeah, section. The sports section. <laughs> yeah, it is like it is that. And because because you're searching so hard for any amount of logic and finding mm-hmm. none, this room stumps you a little bit. So I don't think we came back to it last game, but uh what Self had done initially when coming into the room was to look at the card and see if there's any indication on the card that points to a direction for the book. In this room, there is not. I like the idea, though. You should bring it up later. Okay. (laughs) 
So in total, that is still, despite some mediocre rolls and one <laughs> disappointing roll, we'll say, uh, that is still a 52 in total. Huh. And so with the help of kind of everyone, while you are stepping around, uh, again, uh, mud puddles, uh, RIP, and bits of serviciousness and whatnot, it takes you guys only about 10 minutes okay. to find, right. to find right. this book. I think the term you were looking for was mangoop. <laughs> I wouldn't say I was looking for it, but it is a good term. Just thinking of Mr. Puddles. Yep. Cell, so Cell finds it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just imagining it's, it's, we're all so short. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and like, we don't, in organizing all of the books, they've also organized all of the stepladders, but none of the servants know where the stepladders are because we've given them the book to find and they're just like, we're looking for a book. We can't look for a stepladder, right. too. Yeah, right. And Which so one do you want? just tall enough. <laughs> <laughs> like the book is just not at eye level, so like we would never find it. Right. Yes, yeah. exactly. Selv, what do you either? How do you find it, or at least what do you say when you find it? And you kind of how do you kind of how do you tell your group that you have discovered the thing? Selv is kind of making. I I'm imagining we've split up, and are covering the room as much as we can, and so Selv is kind of running through. And it actually happens to be at a color transition uh, because <laughs> in this particular section, the books were organized by binding cover uh, color. And so they were moving through and it just happened to be the right shade of tan that caught Selv's uh, eye and the gold lettering on the binding. Totally. And just the, the 19 kind of popped out. And so there's Selv just like, aha. I've got it. I've got it. And that. starts kind of making his way back towards where the door to this place was, where we kind of appeared. Totally. Mm -hmm. uh, which doesn't exist anymore. Self passes Val, who's still staring. <laughs> Hasn't <laughs> at moved. At the sports yeah. section, just like, what the, why is this? And he takes the book and kind of slides it into her vision. <laughs> <laughs> And they'll be like, ooh. <laughs> I love that the color tan is what catches you. Yeah, yeah right. it, was, it was specifically the gold 19, but yes, mm -hmm. it's the tan. Mm -hmm. uh, and, well, and, you know, being being from up in the mountains where everything is white white, <laughs> and self is silver and white, and it's like, oh. It's it's tan is tan. actually a very exotic yeah. 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 from where yeah. self is it from. It doesn't happen in nature. And... <laughs> uh, and Selv, you notice this, and Val, obviously, as he, as he dangles it in front of you to kind of break you out of stupor, your stupor, it's a very old book. It's certainly well-preserved and well-taken care of, but without getting too into flipping through it and whatever, this is not just decades old. This is centuries old. And even if you did flip through it, it seems to be just kind of basic record-keeping, like almost like minutes of public meetings mm -hmm. kind of thing. But it is, it is notable because it is very old, at least without further inspection. How big of a book is it? Great like, question. It is pretty hefty. It is, it's not like cartoon large, but it is, it's like a dictionary kind of level of thickness and size. Val puts it into the special protective book sleeve that Andromeda gave her for yeah. <laughs> that magically Perfect. resizes to whatever book we have and then puts it in the haversack. Perfect. So everyone meets back at kind of the, the wall entrance where you guys came on. And what do you guys do? So Checkers is busy in the giant puddle of Mangoob. And you just see him like 
putting something together with his hands. And after about a minute, when he finally unveils his grand creation, it's a little mud frog. <laughs> and he just shows it to everyone. <laughs> and a just great mud frog. And yeah. is there any any like self-awareness or like is he just purely happy that he's like, no, look, I made a mud frog. And what? and like that is the the true innocence of it, or is it like <laughs> I'm making a mud frog out of mango and this will mess with him? Like what is what is Checkers' like intention or mindset in this moment? It is both. He is very happy to have made a very nice mud frog. So he's showing it off gleefully to everyone, but he's also going to go into the corner and you just hear like weird druid magic. <laughs> Cashman is horrified. Yeah. He sees you like playing around in the remains of mango and just like getting covered in it and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> frogs. Just uh, terrible. <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, whatever animal eats their own young or whatever. Yeah, that is exactly <laughs> what Checkers is. Yeah. Yes. But, oh, what, oh, what's Checkers race? Grung. Grung. Grung, yes. I say it, I've I, said it 91 times. I, I know, <laughs> at least. And for some reason, I, could not, I couldn't get it into my head yep. right then. But then uh, a self will say, we'll just kind of lean down towards Val and Cass and say, Is this a um, Grung thing or a Druid thing? I think it's a Checkers thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Druid thing. He's basically re-summoning Mango. I looked into it after the last time he did this. <laughs> I understand the spell now. Uh, it was either okay. that or murder trackers. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> These are the options. Yeah. But then you just hear in the back, you're back. And uh, checkers and mango come out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. You, re- you have to resaddle him yeah, and stuff because yeah, yeah. he turned into mud. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm just mad. Like, Mango's naked and has a little frog butt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. And we can see it. We can yeah, see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We see it. We yeah. see it. Uh-huh. It's the butt. It's right there. All right, who is going to reopen the passageway? I think we... I thought it'd be Sal because he has the key. Yeah, same. Like, that's what I was going to say. Like, I feel like whoever has the Rolodex Mm -hmm. card has to... Seems reasonable. ...put it in the locked door. We were told to knock a specific... uh, Three times. Knock three times. Indeed. Right, because of the song. Knock three times. Oh, I know. I actually know what song (laughs) we're talking about. Good, good. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> Could I tell you who it's by? No, but no. like it's in my uh, head I, now. I can't. I can't. I can't remember who it's by either. But uh, leave uh, it in the comments. Leave it yeah. in the comments. <laughs> uh, so uh, I will take out the the card and much like I did before, move it like a key. Mm-hmm. And when that kind of shimmering appears, Sel will take his other hand and knock three times on that air or space. And, and it makes like if- a horrible, like kind of boinging sound where it's like clinging against like a crystal like plastic or something like that Mm. and it's it's not a satisfying knock but you are able to knock three times okay and i will wait a handful of seconds just to see if anything happens like if the door opens itself as if from the other side you see the the full outline of the door becomes clear like originally as you kind of lifted it up it it was just kind of like semi-opaque arcane energy basically but once you knock you can see the outline of the door trace itself uh, for you to go through. And uh, before I go through, uh, I will turn to everybody else and just ask, um, are there any other books that we want to take from here before we go? Is that allowed? That's a good point. Can we Can we have thought of that before we open the door? Absolutely. So how this is going to work is, A, you can always search for more books. Mm-hmm. It gets complicated Mm -hmm. because you need to know the name of the book, Mm. usually. 
But one of the things, one of the successes for rolling very well in your investigation check is part of it, you get a book. And okay. you get to mm. also be like, ah, we know that this one is of interest. You can re-roll and spend more time, or you can just, you know, kind of hope to accumulate enough successes in the future to bring home well, a couple more. I'm, not that this is actually the case or not, but I would make the assumption that if the Pentarchy Proclamation number 19 is here, then maybe the Pentarchy Proclamation number one is here. Or, you know, volume one is is, is here or something like that. Uh, so is that something that, like, the first volume, do we want to see if we can grab that? The history of the Pentarchy would be very cool and good to know. But we are most likely not getting the rarest of books in this section. You also or might be able to just come back to this room. How about this? Val specifically notes a title of a book in this room so that if we do have time, she can recall it and come back here. Right, because once we take That's this title smart. out, mm -hmm. it'll no longer... That's a good point. Yeah. It'll no longer work. So Val notes down the weirdest title in the sports section. <laughs> One of the sports magazines that is just yeah. like filed here. Yeah, mm -hmm. the Sports Illustrated, yeah. basically, version of no, it. No, 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 the, the Sports Illithated. <laughs> <laughs> so, Selv, you... Uh, that all happens. <laughs> Selv, you successfully kind of summoned the door through the combination of card and knock and are able to push the door open. You guys don't even step through it. It is just, bam, in that instant, you are back in the void. And you see a desk sitting there with piles of books and a skeleton and the ghost of a dwarf just sitting there, very tense, hands clenched together, and then looks up at you guys and says, All alive? All alive, Teddy. Still here. We came back. Yep, 100% alive. Oh, We're thank the five. Um, thank the guy. Oh, uh. You're welcome. Thank the five works for now. We'll tell you about what happens with that. We'll tell you next time. week. <laughs> yeah, see you guys next time. Bye. 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 I'm going to say these, like, there's about, like, 15 feet in between the bookcases. Um, like, it's big and grand, and there's lots of room. Um, maybe 10 feet? 10 feet. That's probably better, actually. Sure. Um, oh, I was even imagining, like, 5 feet. Yeah, I don't know. I was, like, I was going back and forth. It's a grand library. That's yeah, Five. Nazar the yeah. Black is giant. If he's coming for a book, he needs some space. That's true. That's true. We'll, yeah, go, yeah. we'll go 10. Yeah. No pen I don't remember squeezing yeah. it. Oh, yeah. that's, that's, that's true. That's that's right. Right. But I also don't disagree. Creating in their library. Seven and a half. <laughs> yeah. There's probably the like a little alcove, you know, in the hallway. So they have a seat pretty readily available. Well, see, because I imagine like Nazar the Black is like a regular sized human. I mean, big, but like his mount is like the big part. Yeah, he, he, actually, only, he only ever rides. Yeah, oh, surprisingly, well, he doesn't. Wow. He, his right, well. his 
claw, his holy clawed feet. Never Hang on my the face, ground. I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, if you would, if you read the lore, David, right. you would. If you, you were a Pentarchy expert like Checkers, you I'm would just know, imagining right? like Nazar the Black as like one of those bodybuilders who cannot fit through a standard door uh, anymore. Yeah. Oh yeah, just he, yeah. He walks like that. <laughs> and so like no. you and need more than five Weaver feet. Just like magic all the bookshelves a little bit farther apart. Yeah, right. Er, he, no, it's yeah, reality bends yeah. around him. Yeah. Uh, okay, 